So, welcome to episode one, numero uno, of our brand new podcast, Culture Insanity. Purpose of this podcast, obviously, we talk about culture, specifically, um, yeah, the state of man, I guess, and how it's playing out and showing itself in the different uh, outlets of of culture, of movies and TV and music and, and comic books and, you know, whatever other forms of media there may be. So, with that said, it's sort of like a uh, current events of, of, um, of pop culture. Uh, so we talk about all sorts of things um, within those categories. Uh, yeah, I've got a few topics this week. Um, basically, the basic way out of this podcast going forward, just to give uh, initial listeners the rundown, is cover a couple topics, one or two topics within each category of those that I just mentioned, possibly break up the monotony with some sort of fun game, uh, and then you know continue on our discussion with other topics uh, with, within each category, uh, myself or... My, I guess, indefinite co-host, Josh. What's up? Who reserves the right to, I guess, come and go as he pleases, but intends to be here most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll give you what we think is a, a, a certified insane rating, or whatever the spectrum that we come up with is. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about relevancy and uh, what we appreciate about something maybe artistically, um, how it reflects or completely doesn't, um, God and Christ and, you know, everything that would be relevant as a believer, but, you know, viewing and taking all these different forms of media. So, um, we fully intend to have some audience participation. So each week, um, you know, if there are questions, comments, clarifying whatever's, uh, you know, we'll have some sort of form of, um, what you call that? Dialogue. Dialogue, you know, Facebook or Instagram or, you know, our blog, Twitter, Twitter, um, where that can come through. If there's a lack of that, I'm hunting you down and I'll find out those questions that you have <laughs> and clarifying things and your thoughts. Uh, so yeah, it's a fully interactive podcast, if you will. Uh, it sounds like there will be a YouTube webcast if you want to view it. Yeah, we're working on one right now. Uh, so, but obviously, podcasts are great because you can listen to it at work, on your drives, so on and so forth. So, I guess with that said, unless Josh has anything he wants to add before we jump into it. No, I mean, uh, you can you can look at uh, our WordPress page, cultureinsanity.wordpress.com. That's where we're posting um, articles that we might bring up or that we think are interesting. I think some of those things are on the site that we're going to talk about today, and that is live. We'll also be posting um, our podcast there so that you can RSS feed it with the podcast catcher. So, cool. so I guess I did something to bring up. Toast. I should mention that we intend for this podcast to be bi-weekly, so twice a month. Um, as we progress and evolve and figure out our identity here, could be more, could be less. We're talking within an hour, roughly. Could be more, could be less. But uh, so that's what you can look forward to. Um, a couple times a month is what our goal is. Um, I don't think there's any more um, details on that front, other than just getting into it. We try to keep things um, as relevant as possible, so we're not going to dig up, you know, old news, you know, or fake news. Right. <laughs> um, and we want it to be as relevant and as current as possible. So my thoughts are nothing older than a month or a couple of weeks or something because, you know. Yeah, depending on whatever's relevant, whatever's hot. Exactly. So with that said, let's get into it. Uh, okay. What's hot right now? I say Game of Thrones is pretty hot right now. Yeah, definitely. Super hot. Um, I see blue hot. Oh, ooh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the finale, the finale, whether it's fire or ice, has not been clarified yet. It's truth. But the wall has come down. Uh, yeah, so I guess there's a couple different um, points on this topic. Josh, 
curious what you think about, but uh, what we... I'm just going to say, this is a relevant podcast, so there's probably going to be spoilers. Right. Listen at your own discretion, okay? Right. If you're listening to it, it's because you're, you're current on the conversation. Right. We're caught up right now to the latest episode of Game of Thrones, which means the finale of this season. What season 7. Season 7. Episode 7 of Game Season of 7 happened 48 hours ago. Uh, no, 72 hours ago. Right. <clears throat> Sunday night. It's Wednesday afternoon, evening. Right. Uh, so, a lot's going on in Game of Thrones. Uh, what we didn't want to happen has happened. Uh, nephew and aunt have officially gotten it on. Bumped uglies. Yeah. Just being honest. Uh, Probably not that ugly. No, and that's the point. It was <laughs> painted, I think, as a beautiful thing, but it's a weird thing because I don't know. It's like. Everyone didn't want it to happen, but it almost is like the show. There was still a, a vibe there that, like, the show was like, oh, it's it's, it's a good thing, you know. So, what do you think, Josh? I don't know. I I don't know that it was painted as good per se. I think you have Tyrion, and he's clearly outside the door and disturbed by this. I don't think Tyrion like knows any of the like you know information. I also think that there's a clear difference between the other incestuous couple now, uh, Jamie and Cersei. I, I think that um, they they are definitely painted as um, negative and mm -hmm. as not heroes. But interestingly enough, I would say that their love, um, well, at least Jamie's love for Cersei, seems to be uh, like the only redeeming quality about them. But in terms of um, Daenerys and John, or Aegon, if you will. Um, I don't know that. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know that it's necessarily presented as wholly negative. And and I'm thinking that come the next season, that it's going to come cause. To a, yeah, it's going yeah. to cause a lot of issues. Um, and I'm interested to see what happens there. Yeah, uh, I don't even know if Jamie and. And uh, what's her face, Cer Cersei? Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that. If you sure, I know you're stretching by calling it a redeeming quality, but I mean, obviously, throughout the course of the show, it feels like Jamie at least knows that it's wrong. And it's it, he's guilty about it. So I mean, I guess you can only call it a redeeming quality. Well, he knows it's wrong. <laughs> isn't it like the thing that started everything? Yeah. Like yeah, when it started brand being sure. Yeah, yeah. It started. It, it created a a waterfall of events for sure, but. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's definitely presented to us as different, and I agree with you that uh, Jon Snow and, and Daenerys's <clears throat> uh, situation there will come to a head also. Also, you don't think that Tyrion knows what's going on? I don't know. He all, he's always one step ahead. He's he's clearly outside the door. Like whatever. Why else would they? Well, no, no. I mean, I think he. I think he's outside the door and knows that they're doing it. I don't. I don't know that he. I don't think he understands all the ins and outs that say Bran does. Mm. You know, obviously Bran is the only person who knows anything in that show. But the other thing is I would say that I think they've done a good job, if you can say that, of incest not being a normative um, part of the relationship structure in Game of Thrones. But what's interesting about it is that even though it's not normative, even though the people of Westeros don't exactly, uh, it's said multiple times that people will not be okay with this, mm -hmm. um, it seems to be like the most normal of relationships. Again, Jamie and Cersei, like their relationship, there's something that's off about it, and we get that sense from the beginning, but again, I, I still want to harp on that. I think it's like one of the only redeeming qualities is the love they have for each other. And in fact, as you're looking at Cersei and the way she's treating Jamie right now, you can see that. Yeah, you can see that, it, like she's losing that love for him, and that, yeah. And then as for John and Danny, it's like they don't know. You know, it makes sense what they're doing, and they don't know. Sure. I just which I, is why I don't know. This is the only reason why it's okay as of now. Right, I really, I really just hope it's not, um, it's not a part of. I hope it's not a part of the normative storytelling, like that it becomes the status quo for sure. the next, you know, season of, or I guess the end of the series of Game of Thrones. Um, but 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, do, you think, do you think that, I mean, there's so much blurred lines nowadays, you know, with everything. That's do what I was going to say. Do you think that they're just trying to, that's just another blurred line? Is it wrong? Is it right? I don't. Just to say, only you're to say, it's how you feel, la da da. I don't think that it is just another blurred line to the producer, um, to the producers of Game of Thrones. I think that it serves the story. Mm. Um, but with that said, I do think that it has punched a hole in uh, sort of the prestige format of storytelling on you know TV, and, and that now we have a discussion that is happening. Um, <clears throat> we have a discussion that's happening about whether incest is wrong and um, as before where you had the two well at least the one worst character in Game of Thrones participating in that and that was that um, and so it was uh, wholly situated with a negative thing now you have the best characters the, the arguably the protagonist which one of them ends up being the, the uh, you know the prophecy of the Lord of Light you know is anyone's guess now that they've revealed that it could be a he have or she. Have you heard what they actually heard? I think it's a he. You think it is? Well, I read an article earlier, and I've never read the books. I don't, obviously, yeah. I don't think Josh has read the books. Right. But the prophecy is that the, and this is what I read, I have yet to confirm this, but the promised prince is the prophecy within the Game of Thrones, um, right. whatever. So I think it's obviously well, a man. Well, but in this last season, it was said that that, uh, interpretation isn't isn't correct. That it could be a prince or a princess. Oh, did they say that? Yeah. Oh, really? Missandei. Missandei. The, the red red woman. No, that's Melisandre, right? It's it's um. Oh, Daenerys is like. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, the one that's getting it on with Grey Worm. Um, she, she, you know, um, being able to speak high Targaryen. Oh, totally. Whatever. I remember that. Right. There was no distinction where she comes from or whatever. Right. Like right, right, right. So, so there is that possibility that it is either of them. But the point being is they are arguably the protagonists of, of the whole thing. Everybody is sort of falling beneath one of two sects. Not sects, but sects. Uh, S-E-C-T-S. And, um, you know, as before, that aspect of it, that incestuous relationship was part of the negative. Now it is part of the positive, regardless of whether they understand it or not. And it wouldn't surprise me if the show ends with, you know, their love being deemed as, you know, positive. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I do think that will have consequences. Yeah, totally. So is the Lord of Light, is that supposed to be like the Christian God in your interpretation? I mean, how could you not? The prophesied prince or princess, whatever it be. Right. There just seems to be serious overtones. Well, so here's a question I have. Is the Lord of Light connected to the... Is it the Way of the Sparrow? The High Septum? Ooh, that's a good question. I brush up on an old season now. Right, (laughs) because, I mean, clearly the the Sparrow people are connected to the Roman Catholic Church. Sure. Um... It would seem that way, and the Lord of Light. I don't know. Like I don't. I'm not, I'm not really sure about the. There's certainly a mythology about the. And I bet you the books goes into way more right more, more detail on that. There's certainly a mythology where they're accosting Christian, um, Christian. What am I thinking? Themes. Themes. Over yeah. Times. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I'd like to know what George R R, R. Martin's perspective yeah. is. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I was watching. The other night, I got the chance to watch the new Channing Tatum movie, uh, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky, and in Logan Lucky, there is a there's a whole thing that takes place in a prison, and the prisoners are demanding a they're demanding they they've got a list of demands, and one of them is um, the next books in the Game of Thrones series. <laughs> And awesome. there's a whole discussion about how the the, the right there's a whole discussion about how you can't give them the new Game of Thrones books because you know that doesn't work. And then the prisoners are talking about how they know that's not true because there's information past those books. And then the warden's talking about how well the show hasn't gone past so the books. Funny. It's really funny. I was laughing. That's awesome. But yeah, I, I do think he's connected. Um, I I don't know how the High Sparrow thing connects, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jon Snow himself, to me, I mean, yeah, his whole, like, being is, like, all, you know, just Christ-like, right? And sure. 
he's like sacrificing himself and his like integrity and all these different things and he's he's just seen as the pinnacle of good and now you got this conversation of who's in the prophesied whatever well i mean it goes even further like you look at the fact that john is considered a bastard child and mm -hmm. now it's been revealed that he in totally. fact is the heir to the throne and was not a bastard child at all totally yeah good point good point uh, well We'll play this conversation out. Uh, usually we're gonna keep it in with ten minutes, so we've probably gone over that. But Game of Thrones, obviously, a hot topic right now. Uh, we got six episodes left. Kind of sad, but it's been a long time. Seven years in the making. Eight. It will be eight years in the making. I'm happy with it. You ready for it to be done? Ready for the next? Uh, I'm. You know, I. People have. You feel like it was a good season? I do. And I feel people, like there was. Sorry to interrupt. I feel like there was, it was a good season, and obviously it has to hit heavy. We're, we're wrapping up here. Every episode almost is like big progression right. in the story. But I feel like this season, just speaking in terms of like writing, I guess, there was like weird out of character moments, I thought. Like, for example, yeah, like what? at the end there with Tyrion, like, Tyrion's jealous, or at least that's the implication. Like, Tyrion's not a jealous person. You're talking about when he's talking to Cersei? No, at the end when he he's clearly saw John go into the quarters of Daenerys and has to know that there's something going on there. Oh. It's just a weird like that's not the person Tyrion is. I didn't, I, I didn't read jealousy off that. Is, are you reading into it? I mean, what are you reading into that? Thing? I'm reading Tyrion as being concerned, hmm. just to how that will affect. Right, because, because it absolutely will affect it, sure. and I think he's also concerned about um, John because, like, like Tyrion's the character that's like watched all of these people develop throughout. He's like been everywhere, and I think that he's seen them at their worst and their best, and he knows that they will have a hard time like following through with things, um, you know, if they basically are distracted. And I think that that's what you see is them being distracted by mm -hmm. each other. I mean, there, there could be a jealousy aspect of it. Well, the reason why I say, like, I, I guess I read read that into it is because there was another moment in the show that it just felt out of character, like uh, when Arya and, and Sansa were having their moment of mm -hmm. friction. Mm -hmm. And obviously this was before they decided to do their, mm -hmm. you know, secret plan against uh, Littlefinger. Mm -hmm. Which sweet justice, Lord Baelish. Sweet justice there. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it did feel good. Uh, but that was out of character. Like Arya being like that towards her sister. Like I get that they always butt heads, but she was like threatening her life, and it was just like, what? What was that moment? Well, it's like it's like new Arya though. Yeah. Like she's kind of been but that way since this season. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm just interpreting that wrong, but. Uh, yeah, there well, was, there, and there's there's just effective storytelling too. It's like you you want to build up because it was actually a very anticlimactic yeah no um, totally. death for Baelish totally. and you want to sort of build up the idea that that he's you know having his way and manipulating and stuff and like how are you going to do that in your storytelling other than to make it look like the stakes are higher than they are mm -hmm. especially when it's mostly um, you know um, driven just by just by conversation, but I think it, I think that Arya has shown herself to be sort of this vicious, uh, like plotting, almost like Batman character now. Interesting. And so, what to me is weird is not Arya so much as Sansa. Like, if there was a plot there between them, like Sansa taking it a certain way. But then there's also the absolute real possibility that Arya now is the master spy has um, she like knows that you know Littlefinger is there watching her. So there's that possibility too. Is that you know she knows he's watching her and so she's gonna make it clear like uh, trying to like show him that there is this rift between them. Rapid fire predictions just yes or no. Jon Snow riding a dragon at some point? Of course. <laughs> I, I The white one. The, the, the snow dragon. You think Jon Snow's riding the dead dragon? I do. I do. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Is that dagger killing the Night King? And is Arya doing it? Uh, that's more than a yes or no question. Answered anyways. <laughs> okay. Uh, the dagger killing the Night King. It's Valerian steel dagger? Yes. 
Yes, it's and not Arya, but, but Bran. Bran. He's got a barrel through on his wheelchair. <laughs> I, 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 I have this sneaking suspicion that Bran and the Night King are connected to each other. Oh, that's right. You're funny about that. Yeah. Um, I had one more. I have to say that I'm I'm fed up with Bran. Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm so over him. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him to become, you know, the full. To me, it's kind of like Sam Tarly this season. It's like Sam, you know, Sam Dawson. But he's been kind of useless the whole series. He's been like the nice guy. Yeah, he's coming good though. But he's like he's exactly like Samwise Ganges, mm. who is like useless until the very end when he's the one who actually gets rid of the ring. Right? It's like that. Totes. Uh How who will rule by the end of episode six, season eight? And is that is it as straightforward as that? I, I, I'm gonna go big. I predict end of the world Whoa. with a restart, uh, with like a, a time restart. Like there is no ruler. It like ends. Like somehow they like collapse time itself and then it restarts. Uh, yeah, there is. Yeah, there's weird time travel on yep. there. So yep. I guess there's best for it. That is big. <laughs> but that goes back to my theory. For those of you who haven't heard it, there, there's a there's a theory on Reddit that talks about Bran being every Bran. Mm, yep. And I think I th- I think there's truth to that. That maybe Bran will go back in time and become Bran the Builder after like not doing it right this time or something. Does that mean you think that everyone will die? Yes. Right, you hear her first. Everyone's dying. There's gonna be a time, a time, uh, whatever you call that. Uh, it would be a, uh, a causality loop. A causality loop. Temporal causality loop. I hate time in anything. I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, moving on. If you have questions, comments, or clarifications, or oh, your own input, we can talk about it next episode. Okay. Uh, for those that are listening. I just had one question. Um, so we got the Leah Remedy thing going on with the Scientology. Right. Um, she is she's full force attacking her former uh, faith. My only question, and I've listened to a lot, like I listened to a, a big, big, long podcast with Leah Remini, uh on on Joe Rogan, um, Shameless Plug. I like his podcast, but I and she talked all about it, the the inside scoop on what what it's like, you know, her experiences and whatever. Um, do you think it's a relevant uh, conversation? Are, it's 2017. Are more and more people getting into Scientology? I mean, I think more and more people are being um, spiritual, and I think that Scientology offers... The, so on the ones... Okay, like, so is that a growing church? I, I haven't looked at the stats on it, but I would assume that it is. I mean, I guess it depends on what your term is. Uh, when you say growing, like if you're talking about growing in numbers, maybe not, but growing in prominence—that's what I, I guess I mean is numbers, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think Scientology counts their counts their success based on numbers. I think they count it based on money. <laughs> yeah. So it is a relevant discussion to be had then. I think it's a relevant. Do you think she is reaching people? Hmm. In the way she's doing things? Uh, yes, I think she's reaching people in the sense that she's demonizing Scientology for the masses, but I don't think that that necessarily um, has any effect on people who are searching for truth. Like, when people search for truth, they search wherever they can, and that might actually draw people to Scientology. Ooh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, especially because it becomes a way of rebelling. Yeah. So, but I do think, what I will say is, I do think that Scientology um, has, it, it offers a sense of religious liturgy that is clinical in nature. And that's different than sort of the old style of liturgy with like Roman Catholicism, for instance, where people don't, you know, people don't really want that liturgy. They want the spirituality of things nowadays. Only like the old people want the liturgy. So what Scientology offers is a new type of liturgy that is a new form of religion. Um, but I can't speak much more authoritatively on that. I haven't studied it to, to that degree. So. All right. Um, well, moving right along. Um, so there's your TV, TV uh, discussion. I did read that she tried to that she was told to convert 
um, Kevin James. Really? <laughs> yeah. While they were filming? Yeah, apparently. And I love Kevin James. For some reason, I just, I just don't. I just have a funny picture of how that plays out. <laughs> right. He's just right. Like, I just imagine him like laughing in his in his hilarious way or whatever. Like, yeah. I'd love to see a stand-up bit where he talks about that. Yeah, I love Kevin James, and I'm waiting for him to find a right role that's not just him being the lovable oaf, yeah, stupid, stupid fat, fat man. Guy. Yeah, I can't stand it. I love him. It's true. It's true. All right. Did you read that article about Josh Whedon? Yeah. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Josh is obviously probably your biggest Josh, Josh Whedon fan. In, in, everything. in our in, circle, yeah. In our circle, I mean, you can speak authoritatively on all of, maybe not all, a lot of Josh lot. Whedon's work. Uh, he's a big, you know, pusher of, you know, Buffy and uh, Alias and... Alias and J.J. Abrams. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Josh Whedon's not connected in any way. Yeah. Oh, I thought he like read or produced or something. Not as far as I know, but I love Alias too, and it owes a lot to Buffy. Firefly. Do you like Firefly? Firefly. Movies, obviously. Yeah. Are you bummed out? Um, I mean, of course you are. Of course it is something to be sad about if it's true. I don't know the truth of it. Um, yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, so this was some dirt that was let loose on Joss Whedon a while back, but... Right. Most recently, his ex-wife, whose name I obviously can't remember, but she came out talking about Joss Whedon having multiple uh, affairs throughout their relationship, and the whole like conversation is that it's it's ironic for someone who pushes um, feminism ideals and stuff and heavy female lead characters and casts. Uh, to be acting in the way that he's acting, uh, you know, not treating his marriage right, objectifying women, obviously, accusations that obviously we don't know. You know, we're not Joss Whedon or his wife, but um, I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever denied it though. Like when it first surfaced a while back, like he said he struggles with those things. Right. So, but why would she come out and, and do more of this now? Like it just begs the question. I don't know. It's a bummer. It's. Yeah. It's longer than it's even a, a, a conversation. And I mean, you know, she expressed that basically he's a man in power. And, um, you know, and I think it was in her re recalling of his words to her that, you know, as a man in power, it's hard to be in these positions and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think that's true. But I, I don't think that... Um, I don't think that Joss Whedon ever claimed to be the center of morality... I don't think he ever claimed to be more than he actually is. I, there's Which a lot is of just a storyteller, right? And there's a lot of um, times when he was like given different awards, and he actually, I don't, I don't want to say made fun of, but he, um, yeah, he definitely shied away from the from being the definer of feminism for for this day and age. Um, you know, for me, it's just sort of like. I think the thing that makes me sad the most about it is how unfazed I am about hearing that that is a possibility for the truth of his life. Yeah. You just, it's sort of assumed. Kind of <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What I will say is I don't think it changes, I don't think it changes the veracity of his work. And I know some people think so, think that it does, but I don't think it does. I think that you have people who have something to say. and. You know whether they're able to follow through with it or not doesn't actually change the content of their intent. Mm. Um, it's. I, I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that what they have done doesn't mar how someone's going to look at it in the future, and that's sad. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, it could be that he has these demons that he wrestles with. But when he's telling a story, he has at least enough discipline to tell the story the way he thinks it should be told. And, and in that story, he, he is victorious of those demons. So, you know, and we do that all the time. We do that when, you know, we're simple mortal men, but we, you know, tell these stories about superheroes and so on and so forth. Like, I, to, you know, I think that it's sort of ridiculous to say that, that his contribution to society should be thrown out because... You know, of his own personal struggles. Because he's human. Yeah. And I, he's not a believer. He's mm -hmm. not a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I would say that if he was to turn to Christ, he would find that there is room for his growth and for his follies um, and for his contributions. So it's just a fun. Yeah, it's it is a bummer when you when yeah. you really like love someone for their work and stuff, and, and you find out just a really not awesome thing possibly about them. Right, <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, it sucks. Um, Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. We're we're almost at that at that uh, month that I said um, separated from the events of whatever their relationship. I guess so. They got a divorce. There was a, a hashtag going around. Did they get a divorce or are they just separated? Mm, I guess that's a good question. They were separated. I, the whole thing was that they're getting a divorce. Yeah, they're on the they path. Tried, they're on the path. They tried. Yeah, they're, God, yeah, exactly. But there was this whole thing going on. Hashtag love is dead. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. so absurd. What do you think? I mean, people just I mean, investing I, too much into... Eyes that aren't God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you're. I think that it's connected to a larger thing, and and therefore I think that it's still relevant. I, I think you can go back to sort of the Gwyneth Paltrow and um, Chris Martin. Yeah, Chris Martin and how their relationship ended, and there was sort of this statement of a of a mutual beneficial partnership mm. um, for a time, and I think that. I, I mean, I don't know if it qualifies. If that's what happened with Anna Ferris and Chris Pratt. I'm going to go ahead and doubt that that's what happened from the things that I've read about, at least Chris Pratt. But in terms of the hashtag love is dead and that concept, I think it is both, I think, I think it's both interesting and um, sort of oxymoronic in the way that it like wants things to be, wants there to be an authentic love, but then at the same time doesn't believe that love can exist. And so like, to me, the hashtag is, is it just an expression of emotion, but a statement? Like, people believe that, or yeah, or people are just interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think that people. I think that people, you're saying it's not just an emotion; it's a statement, right? Yeah, I, I think that people believe that in the way that they believe, um, in the way that a lot of Christians believe in Christianity. You know, like, I, like I. Hmm. I don't, like, to me, a lot of Christians don't hold Christianity as sacred. They hold it as, or when I say that, I mean set apart. They hold it as sacred. So in the same vein, in other words, it's not unique. It's just a sacred belief. So when they're making that statement, love is dead, like, I think that a lot of people are saying that their sacred belief is dead. But that's because they don't actually view love as unique. And if they did view love as unique, they would understand that it couldn't die. And I, I mean, I absolutely think it's ridiculous, the concept of love being dead. Like, of course it's ridiculous. It's, yeah, and especially like, the, if you just look at the constraints of relationship put on these people, um, the two stars that are pushed together because of the massive amounts of pressure and then being sort of in the pit together as a, like a band of brothers and you know people look for a relationship of course they're going to find that in each other and you know if they didn't have god at the center of their relationship well that's not true on this occasion as a matter of fact though i'm chris pratt is like an outspoken believer right and that's why i said i didn't know how that applied to chris pratt but again <laughs> if they don't have god at the center of the relationship whether before or now, then the relationship is going to fail under that amount of pressure. Mm -hmm. and, and that has to be on both parts. I mean, the point of relationship is to help you to be more sacred before God. It's not for you to have, um, you know, uh, fun. It's not for you to become, you know, less lonely. Um, or more financially stable or, or whatever these you know, various ideas are. And so if at some point they stopped thinking of each other that way because the narrative was now about whatever was placed on them, which would be very easy to make it because of the life they live, sure. then, you know, then it stops being on God, whether it started on God or not. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm sad for them. Yeah, me too. No, just just knowing that, like they they at least, or he at least. I mean, he's the man, you know. He at least 
claim something. So it's sad to to know at this point, like to know that uh, that didn't transcend into their marriage. Um, right. And so in, in, in that vein, I can empathize, I guess, with the absurd hashtag. Mm. But I still think it's ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's break up the monotony. We got a little game here. I'm going to, I guess we'll go every other week or something okay. uh, just to keep it fun. Honestly, this is a selfish <laughs> this is a selfish thing, I feel like, just because it's fun to quiz people, and we kind of play this game in our daily lives no matter what, just with the way we talk, but I got some trivia questions for Josh. It's kind of like a five-second, ten-second, three-second game, whatever the question may be. This is just to break up the monotony of talking, okay? All right. All right, Josh. Hit it. Ten seconds, five dragon movies or TV shows, go. Oh, uh, Dragonheart, Game of Thrones... Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I could have gone. I could have gone further. I just you got couldn't go got, further. You got Aragon. Oh, that's not. That's worthless. That's a popular book series. Well, it was movie. a terrible movie. Just because it's terrible. Come on, Dragonheart was a good movie. Dragonheart was a great movie. I liked it, but I was also like five. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's Sean Connery, right? Damn it! I mean, dang it! You ruined my next trivia question. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Rain of Fire. That's a good movie. Yes, Rain of Fire, Christian Bale. Especially when they're But what's interesting about that is they're talking about they do the Star Wars thing in Rain of Fire. Which is what? They they retell the Star Wars story in Rain of Fire. I never heard of that. To the kids. Really? Yeah, in Rain of Fire, they're telling a story to the kids and, and they're Wars? acting out Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, Christian Bale totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. And what sucks about that, is, or what not, not what sucks, but the coincidence, of course, is that Aragon is a complete rip off of Star Wars. That's why I, I hate Aragon. <sighs> Five seconds. Who voiced the dragon in Sean Connery? Six is dragon. <clears throat> Got that. Five seconds. Um, let, me reword, let me reword how I wrote this okay, question. Okay, I won't look at you counting down. That makes it hard. Okay. I have to reword how I wrote this question. Um, this 2017 movie was previously written by this director, although his script would never come to fruition. Five seconds. 2017 movie written by this director, though his script... I don't know. Wonder Woman? Alright, you got it. I did? Who's script? Uh, Joss Whedon? Yeah. Yeah. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon wrote up. An un, uh, I don't know. He wrote a script. Yeah. And it was well known. And yeah. There was something behind it. Gosh, I pulled that one out. Yeah, I gave you a couple, two to three seconds. Oh, uh, come on. Come on. <laughs> there was something about it that they didn't like. Like, they didn't like the woman he was portraying. Something, something. She wasn't feminist enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go into the details of Wonder Woman later. That's another topic we don't want to put. Alright, final question. And this is a good segue, I guess, to our next topic. Okay. If he doesn't die... Five seconds. I'll give you five seconds. Because okay. this is an easier question. Okay. Five seconds. If he doesn't die before then, James Cameron will have this five-movie epic completed. Avatar. Yep. Terrible. Four more movies he's made. Terrible! Four more. I can't stand Avatar. Yeah, it's a ripoff. But come on, four? And he's got a Disneyland. Seriously, he's going to die before he can get these movies pulled off. Right. Just because, like, you know, he's, like, pushing the bounds of technology, and that's why he doesn't I, make certain movies, because technology's not there, and it's like, dude. I don't really... Is that really, like, what you want your legacy to be? Is Yeah. I don't I don't understand that with Avatar. That's the thing. I don't think it's... It's not worth the story. story. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, billions of dollars in we, by, the, by the end of it. We don't know. He has some sort of epic, you know, story in his mind. And I like James Cameron as a storyteller. I don't think he's the greatest director. Mm. And I know people, you know, people have their thing about James Cameron. But I think he's got great ideas. I don't really like him as, as a director. And sometimes a storyteller and director cross paths really well and you get like those magic moments which James, Cam James Cameron certainly has but James Cameron is hanging out at the George Lucas picnic table yeah yeah exactly totally yeah <laughs> yeah alright so I guess that's a 
That's a good segue. Um, did you read that article? Yes. James Cameron's views on Wonder Woman and, yeah. and whatnot. Should we, what are the basics of that article? I read it. He basically, he doesn't like, he doesn't like the woman. That, he thinks it's uh, anti, what do you call it? Counterproductive. Right. Why does he think it's counterproductive, the Wonder Woman's trade, and why does, what's his beef with um, the over-glorification of this character, and, I mean, all, you know, it's, it has to do with the whole feminism conversation. Right. So, and it, he's, like, comparing, like, his characters, specifically uh, Sarah Connor as a woman, and what she overcame versus what Wonder Woman overcame. She's right. still just a beautiful woman, and so on and so forth, but... What are the finer points of that of that topic? I don't know that there are finer points, and I think that's why he's getting a lot of backlash for it. Because he's just talking crap? Yeah. And it's just, like, what what are you getting at? Yeah, well, I, I mean... Do you think he gets, I mean, anything he's saying is, is true? Do you think it's... I think that he's right about Sarah Connor. Bias. <laughs> I love Sarah <laughs> Connor. Sarah Connor is one of my favorite action heroes, but... With that said, I think that, you know, he's right about Sarah Connor and her journey. I don't think that that makes Wonder Woman any less of a strong female character. And I think that he doesn't... I think that he doesn't understand the comic nature of Wonder Woman and where she came from. I think that that's, I think that that's a big aspect of it, too. Um, I think that it's a ridiculous thought to say that because a woman starts with beauty and starts with gifts... That she can't that she doesn't represent actual womanhood because she hasn't had anything to overcome. Mm. Yeah, which is what he was saying. Like, Sarah Connor, she was a crappy mother and right. she struggled with, you know, people thinking she was insane and whatever else he was saying about her. Right. What was she saying, though? Uh, what's her name? Patty Jenkins. Um, I don't know. I can look it up. I, she, I know she didn't like it. I think she thought it was ridiculous. He said... She said, um, if women have to always be hard, tough, and trouble to be strong, and we aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of women everywhere because she is attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far, badly. That's I, what she said. I think I just said something like yeah. that. I believe women can and should be everything, just like male lead characters should be. There is no right and wrong kind of powerful woman. The massive female audience who made a film and hit it can surely choose to judge their own icons of progress. Yeah. Well, and it's also, again, it's also ridiculous considering where Wonder Woman comes from in the comic books. Why she was made, she was made by a man, <laughs> mm. and then she was made as sort of a counterculture idea of a man. I mean, the guy who made her was in a, um, like, a threesome relationship, and you can see, like, the, like, the exploration of sexual freedom within those comics where Wonder Woman is like constantly being put in situations being like spanked and all sorts of things like that or, or even doing that herself to other people uh, not saying that that's good I'm just saying the idea that Wonder Woman because she's beautiful and because she's gifted with the gifts of all these gods is somehow less of a woman or less possible of an icon I think is just it's absolutely short-sighted and it, it's a weird comment too yeah. coming from James Cameron from yeah, I agree. It's just weird. Out of it's just out of place. Hater. Yeah. I just, just personally, I'm just tired of the whole. Uh, not to be insensitive <laughs> about it all the time. I'm just tired of the whole hoopla around the whole feminist conversation and stuff. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's exhausts me, and I'm just tired of it. And the whole pushing the idea that women is equal to a man in every way is just not true. Mm. Not to say that I don't think women should get stuff like equal pay, you know, for doing sure. the same job and you know, but a woman is not equal equal to a man and like women just simply can't do everything a man should do. A man can do just like a man can't do everything a woman sure. can do. It, it, you know, and so I think that's it's just annoying. I think I think the problem with it is the intellectual dishonesty of it. Yeah. That's what, that's what I have issue with the most is, like you said, it's not, it's not that women shouldn't be empowered as women. It's that women should be empowered and that men become, which is ironic, become a, a focal point or like a, a, a standard that, that they need to overcome in order to show that they are empowered. 
which is ridiculous. Like, men and women are different, and they should be able to celebrate that difference on the... They should be able to celebrate that difference alone, and they should be able to celebrate the ownership of their own... whatever term you want to use, gender identity, um, you know, on the basis of itself, because of what they are. And when you, you know, constantly place this emphasis on how, like, man has... Um, tried to devalue women or disempower, you know. I mean, there is truth to that, but that's where Wonder Woman, I think, that's this is where Wonder Woman, I think, shines, is because she comes from a race of individuals where there are no men, mm -hmm. and her value is so much so that she can add to the world of men. And that's, that's how she comes into the whole picture, is that she feels that she is missing from the world of men. So, but, you know, did she judge herself based on men? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. James Cameron just being a hater. Not respecting the source material. Yeah. Just kind of uh, critical. But, um, one thing I thought was interesting, I was listening to this week, uh, maybe it was not last week, but, so, I don't know if you've heard that, like, military is going to start opening up, um, like, specific, uh, what do you call it, branches within whatever force it is. For example, they're going to start opening up like special forces for women, because obviously that's that. No, no, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, well, <laughs> interesting. Just being on the same topic. So, uh, this woman who had entered—I mean, I think it's uh, more or less official—but this woman who entered into like the SEAL program or whatever, um, she bailed on it. She crashed and burned because I heard it was that. too hardcore. Yeah, I heard and that. Just because the demands of what they go through and the training, and I'm I'm not making an overarching statement, but. It's very hard for a woman, like physically, like uh, their bodies aren't built for some of those things that you know that those guys go through or something. And obviously, I'm not a Navy SEAL, I, I can't speak authoritatively, but it's interesting. Like, mm -hmm. and it's just it's just true. Like, we are not the same people. We're not created to do the same things. We can't give birth as much as we want to give birth. You know, you can't say a man can give birth now and then you expect a man to give birth. Not without creating some sort of mechanism. Sure. Yeah. And there's, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the large conversation taking place in culture right now. And that's one of the benefits that we have as Christians is an understanding that God created men and women unique from each other and that that should be celebrated. And, yeah, they don't, it doesn't have to be hostile and it doesn't necessarily have to be in comparison either. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Just short-sighted all the time. All these, all these issues are just like uh, immature. I guess they're just, yeah, they're so and with blinders on. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess last but not least, we got uh, some ongoings in the music world, uh, and I know you have thoughts on this with the whole T Swift thing, with her new persona, with her new love video. I read an article that I agree with. I posted it. I don't know if you read it. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, just that her whole new video and song, Love, and like what, it's just petty, and it's sad. Oh, you know? I think I did, I did see that one. And it's like, yeah, so what are your thoughts? She got this new love song, her new single for her new album, I forget the name of like this new stage, or album, I, maybe it's just the name of the album. It starts with an R. But, yeah, what do you think about where Taylor Swift is at right now? Reputation? Is it reputation? I don't know. That makes sense. I mean, just knowing about the song. But I feel like it's reputation. Um, yeah, what do you think about where she's at? She's I mean, clearly in a place. I was talking to Colin about this earlier this week, and one of the things that he, because he's like, for whatever reason, the biggest Taylor Swift fan we know. And, you know, he was just talking about how it's disappointing for him, but it makes complete sense based on the trajectory of her music. That every, every you know, so many years, she puts out an album that gets more and more darker and more, um... Forget the sounds, <laughs> if you can hear them. More and more darker and more and more, um, less mature and like, like petty, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. So. I, I, that's what I think. I, I think that she doesn't have God. 
I think that she is incredibly talented. I don't think any I don't think anybody can argue with the idea that she's incredibly talented and that she has a lot to give. But when you have a lot to give and you're under constant pressure and you don't have God as a narrative in your life, then you you know replace him with whatever you can while suppressing the knowledge of him. And that can only lead to just a really difficult, fractured worldview. And, and I think it's sad. And, you know, I know, I know Colin, <laughs> like, he wants desperately to share, to share faith with her. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I guess just, see, man, that life. Yeah. I would never want it. Just right. simply put. No, it's an incredible put, burden. It's just seeing the, the evolution of her career and uh, persona, you know, like, it's just gone to a dark place. Mm -hmm. And that's sad to see. Like, she started out innocent, more or less, right? right? And her music reflected that innocence. Right. And her, like, dreams and stuff. And now she's just angry. Right. And it's bitter. And it's, like the article said, petty. And it's, man. It's a consistent worldview, though. Mm. Right? It's consistent with her worldview. And, you know, what's I think what's sad for me is the imagery that's being used. So... In the word in the word video, yeah, which I never for, watched the word video. So in the word version video of look what you made me I do. I think it's just called look. Look, okay. Like there's this constant like uh, snake motif that's being used, snake theme, um, with the words on written on the snake's body. You know, look what you made me do, and it's a snake that's eating its own tail. And there's a reference to that. It's a it goes back in Greek mythology to the concept of Ouroboros, yep. um, which you know, it's a snake that eats its own tail, but it's also a snake that uh, that essentially represents the uh, starting of a new cycle. Yeah, regeneration. Um, what's interesting about that, though, is it's completely unnecessary. Like, Ouroboros is completely unnecessary. Why? Because a snake sheds its skin. <laughs> like, that's how a new cycle is made with a snake. A snake sheds its skin. So this concept of a snake eating itself is this weird, like, lie that the snake exactly that the snake has developed about its own identity and so I think that's really interesting and you look at the actual video for look what you look or look what you made me do or whatever and that's what you have is her tormenting herself she's like tormenting herself and like yeah that's how it ends right right yeah, yeah. so it's it's really sad it shows a fractured worldview and as much as I'm sure that there's an element of theater to it um, that is you know beautiful, I suppose, like there's a poetry to it, and you can see that she's grown as a person and matured as a person, I'm using air quotes, um, grown as a person and matured as a person, um, it's also in, it's also the downside of a trajectory. So I think that her trajectory really apexed, like it went up in this sort of parabolic shape, and apexed at the moment of shake it off. Right, <laughs> where she's like saying, like, you yeah, say totally, all these, right? You, totally. You say all these things 100%. about me, and I don't care, and I'm 100%. just gonna shake it off. You don't know what you're talking about. 100%. And then it's now coming down. And it's like I heard everything you said, and guess what? It's true. But guess what? I'm gonna kill that aspect of myself because you don't have control over me, and I get to blame you for everything. And that makes me psychologically worried about her. Mm. Colin desperately wants to sit down and watch shake it off. Share Christ with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, is her, I mean, I don't know. I've only heard the song a couple times. I don't like it, like, musically. I think it's obnoxious to me, but whatever. That's not based on anything. That's just my own personal. Sure. But it's like, is her music, like, is her music better? Than it used to be, like, is she a better like? It's better musician or artist or? Uh, I, I mean, no. Her like her guitar is missing. Like, I mean, it's so if, it depends on what you mean by musician. Well, she just started out a certain way, and that's fine. If she redefined herself as a different artist, like now, a pop artist, like more of just a straight pop star rather than like a singer songwriter kind of star, whatever she started out as. Whatever she, you know, she was always a pop star, right? No, right. more or less, but. I would say I would say that she is technically a better artist. I think that's undeniable. I think you can definitely see the maturity in her songwriting ability. Um, the question is, how much of that is 
in studio produced and you know like what level she has of creativity on that I think that her music is is you know a hundred percent more complex than it used to be and I'm sure that you know she I mean she used to get it all the time from critics about how all of her songs sound the same so from you yeah <laughs> She used to get, you know, how all of her songs sound the same, and, and now it's really clear. No, that's not true. There's definitely eras of Taylor Swift. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I think that she's she's progressed as as an artist, but the question is, to what? Mm. You know? So if, it depends on if you want to call that mature or not. You know, there are certain artists who have... Um, eras of their music where they just are great no matter what like Frank Sinatra for instance mm. um, but with that said then there are other artists who it's like you know Madonna is still making music but nobody cares Cher is still making music but nobody cares <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean yeah so I apologize if people like those people hey Madonna's got a place in the world she does Cher's got a place in the world she does I mean nobody cares about the music <laughs> Hopefully people care about the people. Yeah. Um, I don't really know too much about the Kesha thing. Yeah. Other than, it just seems very, like, vapid. And what does that even mean? And her Prey song and video. Um, I don't know. The, there's not much to the lyrics other than... She's just accosting yeah. Christian themes. I would assume that she's going through something that is spiritual and she's going back to her roots. Although I guess I don't really know what her roots are. Yeah, I don't either. I know so. that she seemed very into the life and as she stepped back it seemed like, I right. don't know, maybe she was in a moment of reflection and who knows. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm not impressed with the song. Yeah. Lyrically. <laughs> I think what I will say is I think that that song represents a progression for her as an artist. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's way different than her stuff. With I can see that. Totally. I guess more to come on Kesha. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, that's what I got this week. Those are the most current ongoings. I feel like Game of Thrones is a hot topic. If you have questions, comments, theories, uh, clarifications, just your own thoughts that you want us to talk about, we can talk about them. You know, mm -hmm. send them in to us via whatever source. Um, and whatever else you have, you know, if you have thoughts on this T-Swift T -Swift thing um, or anything that you want us to cover. Uh, if I don't get anything this week, I'm coming after you uh, and I'm going to inquire and dig into what you think is a relevant uh, topic of conversation and what you're interested in right now. And we'll talk about it. What type, of, what type of stuff are we hoping to talk about? Next week? Yeah. Whatever crazy crap. I really want to talk... <laughs> gets, gets put out there. I really want to talk about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, when's that supposed to come out? Like Halloween? The 8th? I, I think it's the 8th. October or September. No, September. That's weird. I wouldn't think they released it like... I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But I really want to talk about it. Dude, I'm excited for it. And I kind of want to talk about Defenders. Yeah... Maybe I'll have it finished by... Yeah, it'll be two weeks from now. I should definitely have it finished. Yeah. It's only six episodes, right? Right. Uh, no, eight. Eight episodes. Whatever. Eight episodes. Uh, I think I like it. Two episodes in. I like it. <laughs> You're further than I am. Yeah. But I hope Danny Rand progresses his character. Because uh, Danny Rand. Danny, if he's not the most pathetic man I've ever seen a DP. <laughs> For a superhero. For a guy that calls himself Iron Fist. Yeah, it's definitely... Oh, such a weak, weak personality. <laughs> yeah, it's like Gomer Pyle calling himself the <laughs> immortal Iron Fist. Gomer Pyle. Uh, so It, Defenders, and whatever else. I'm sure that'll be something. Two weeks is a very long time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> In the world of pop culture. So, I guess, uh, stay tuned Cue the outro.